So are you guys sensing a pattern? You know, the Tigers fall 3-1 to the Yankees, and they manage just two hits for the second time in five games this season. And if not for a gift run from the Yankees, they would have been shut out for the third time in five games this season. It's not great, and I'm going to dig into it a little bit on today's Locked on Tigers. And we'll also preview today's game and take a look back at a couple of the Tigers' offseason moves because we weren't recording then. But before we begin, I'm going to remind you that I'm your host, Chris Brown, and I ask you to go ahead and download and rate and review the podcasts on any of your various podcast platforms from Apple Podcasts to Google Podcasts to Spotify to Stitcher and, of course, the new podcast app Himalaya. And when you get your car, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked On Tigers or any of the other fine podcasts from the Locked On Podcast Network. And hey... I haven't been promoting this because I keep forgetting, but come out to see me do a live show uh, from 10 to noon on opening day this Thursday at Sinbad's at 100 St. Clair Street in Detroit. I'll be joined by Roger Castillo, who was on a show uh, a couple couple days ago, and Paul Wesner from Tigestown, and Keenan Carter from the Tigers Minor League Tracker. It'll be fun. You can get some food. We'll have prizes and giveaways, and I might bring my radar gun to see how fast you can throw. So yeah, come on out. Uh, and yeah, with that out of the way, let's start with what we can sort of say was good about yesterday's game. Tyson Ross, in his first start for the Tigers, was acceptable. Five innings, four hits, four walks. Not ideal to give up four walks in five innings, but he struck out four as well. Only gave up two earned runs, both on homers, and he did kind of what he does. You know, nine ground balls to one fly out. Took him 89 pitches to get through five innings, and he struggled with his command for most of the night, but he mostly avoided the center of the zone. I think catcher Grayson Griner has been really solid so far. I think he's caught four of the first five games, and, and I, what I mean is he's been really solid in terms of his receiving. Uh, I think he did a really great job with Jordan Zimmerman on the first game of the season, and, and again with Matt Moore on the finale of that Toronto series. He was okay with Turnbull. He missed a couple strikes, but last night he seemed to really struggle catching Tyson Ross. It seemed like he cost Ross three or four strikes. Now, uh, you know, he was moving his arm kind of sharply and late, and, and that makes it seem to the ump like it's a ball. I think, I don't want to place all that blame on Griner. I think a lot of it was Ross just missing his spots. He seemed to be missing his spots all night. Uh, and one of the two homers that, that Ross gave up, Griner was set up at the bottom of the zone, and Ross left an 87 mile an hour cookie right at the top of the zone that got clobbered by Brett Gardner. And Ross most certainly did not avoid the center of the plate against Gary Sanchez. Uh, he, he left a fastball middle away, and Sanchez got to extend his arms, and he hit a bomb. 109.3 miles per hour, went 417 feet, and Sanchez later hit a 110-mile-per-hour ground out, which earns him today's Blue Chew Big Stick of the Night Award. Now, you might remember Gary Sanchez for a number of reasons. He was the runner-up to Michael Fulmer in the Rookie of the Year voting back in 2016 after he hit uh, you know an ungodly amount of home runs in a short period of time. And he was also one of the key players in that beanball war back in 2017. I don't know if you remember that. There was like six different players who got hit. Uh, and there was video of him throwing sucker punches at the bottom of a dog pile uh, directed at Miguel Cabrera. He was suspended for four games and then peeled it down to three. And I feel like if the Tigers were any good or if they were still in the AL East, he would kind of be a Claude Lemieux-level villain in Detroit. But alas, we don't play the Yankees that much, and the Tigers aren't any good, so nobody seems to care. But yeah, back to Ross. He was acceptable, but, uh, you know, not good, I would say. Then Blaine Hardy was. He was good. He came in and got five outs, five up, five down, two strikeouts. He's just a good, solid reliever. He kind of makes Daniel Norris redundant as a lefty long reliever, although I suppose you can't have too many lefties. And then it was Reed Garrett who came in, and I feel like I've talked about him a lot on the show, but he's one of the few interesting new faces on the team, so I kind of think it's worth it. He came in and was consistently locating his breaking ball at the bottom of the zone, which was impressive. But then uh, Griner asked for the fastball at the top of the zone, and instead it's right down the pipe, and Aaron Judge hits a rocket, crushes a double. Luckily, it wasn't a homer. Uh, And that's something I think we're going to have to watch with Garrett all year. 
the fastball command is just not great for him. He seems to miss his spot a lot. But the breaking ball looks like a legitimate above average, if not plus pitch, uh, particularly when he keeps it down in the zone. And they brought him back for the eighth. He got one out in the bottom of the, the seventh, and they brought him back out for the eighth. And, and that's something I always like to see is when they can bring a reliever out, sit him down for a half inning, and then bring him back in, and he doesn't lose his command. And, and Garrett was still solid. He gave up a pretty hard hit ball. I think he was the one who gave up the, the 110 mile an hour hit to, or ground ball to, to Sanchez. But he broke out his little split change. And for the second time this season, we saw what appeared to me as a, a two seam fastball rather than a four seam fastball. A two seam fastball is uh, kind of moves down and away from the pitcher's hand, whereas the four seam fastball is just kind of straight. And I prefer the two seamer. We've only seen it a little bit, but I honestly don't know if he's doing that on purpose. So who's, uh, who's to say? And that's about it for anything good from yesterday's game. Jordy Mercer went two for four with a double. Those were his first two hits as a Tiger to break an own 4 for 9 start for the season. Of course, that's a pretty easy segue into the bad because those were the team's only two hits of the game. Again, two hits. Just the second time in Tigers history that they've been dealt two two hitters in the first five games of the season. Their record for getting two hits or fewer in, in a game is six in one season. So who knows? I mean, they, we may, they might not do it again this year or they may shatter the record. That's something to keep an eye on. Tigers didn't get a hit until the fourth. They scored thanks to some wildness from the Yankee starter Domingo Herman, who walked five but struck out seven and gave up just one hit. And then uh, they scored on some sloppy defense. Uh, Herman threw a ball in the dirt and Gary Sanchez blocked it in front of him. The runners broke for second and third. Sanchez tried to throw out, I, th- I believe it was Mercer, down at second base. And uh, Glaber Torres just kind of alligator-armed it. He was like, ah, I don't want to grab it. And then the ball went into center field and that let Kristen Stewart score. And speaking of Kristen Stewart, his his rough start to the season kind of continued. He did draw a walk, but he went 0 for 3 with a strikeout. And he's now 1 for 16 with four walks and eight strikeouts so far. But the worst part was his defense. He, he's always been deemed a, a poor defender. And last night, he just he made a silly error in the outfield. He just There was a single that landed kind of in the, to the front left of him, and he just let it bounce right past him. It glanced off his glove, and it let a lumbering first baseman score all the way from first base. And that was the third run the Yankees scored. And if with a more potent offense, that might have been a big run, but the Tigers never really put uh, too much fear into the Yankees. They, they did threaten in the eighth. Adam Adovino, who's a new reliever for the Yankees, came in and walked uh, Castellanos and Miggy. And then Nico Goodham laced. He, he had a really hard line drive to right field, but Aaron Judge made a, a really fine lunging catch. And I feel like uh, Aaron Judge is actually kind of underrated as a player, which seems ridiculous for a Yankee but he's really one of like the three or four best hitters in baseball and he's also unexpectedly fast and a better defender than you would think considering he's six foot seven 280 pounds I mean he's kind of a physical freak for the for baseball I mean there's not even anybody in the NBA that size so yeah let's see what else yeah yeah, if you're counting Mikey Matuk is now 0 for 16 with nine strikeouts to begin the season so that's not ideal and uh, the Tigers are now three for 29 with runners in scoring position for a cool 103 batting average again not ideal it sounds bad but it's not all that bad when you consider that they're hitting 130 in all situations, so it's not that far off from what they're doing. Yeah, I mean, we look at the Blue Jays. The Blue Jays did starters, didn't give up a run to the Tigers in 24 innings. And last night, the Orioles, the Orioles scored five runs off the Blue Jays starter in two innings. Now, these are different pitchers, of course, and, you know, it's not comparable, but you see that, and you see what the Tigers did against the Blue Jays and then against the Yankees, and you start to see a bit of a pattern, don't you? And the only other noteworthy thing uh, from from last night's game, uh, there was kind of a a funny moment when Reggie Jackson joined Matt Shepard and Jack Morris in the booth. Generally, I'm not a big fan fan of Jack Morris as a uh, commentator, but it was kind of fun to, to see the interplay between him and uh, Reggie Jackson. And Jackson told a, a story, kind of a funny story about a playoff game in which Terry Forster, who uh, you may or may not remember him as 
being a constant victim of David Letterman's attacks. David Letterman often called him a fat tub of goo. But Terry Forster was a big, like six foot four, two hundred sixty pound reliever, and he got to an zero and three count or three and zero count on Reggie Jackson. And Jackson thought he was going to walk him, and then he just plunked Jackson in the back. And this that made Jack Morris start laughing, which uh, led to a little funny banter back and forth. And then Jackson told a story about uh, his famous homer in the nineteen seventy one All Star game at, at Tiger Stadium. And I know, you know, we like to complain about old timers who give you the, you know, the back in my day, the game was played like this. But I, I, I feel like we shouldn't pretend like we don't idolize the past and other aspects of our life. I, I know I do, particularly with music. Anything that comes out today, I'm like, ah, it's garbage. But yeah, that said, older baseball players are kind of just like older people in our lives. Let's, uh, they're fun to listen to their stories for a little while, but then get them the hell out of here because we don't want to have to think about the grim specter of death for too long. And speaking of the elderly, let's talk about sex. Good sex. Remember the days when you didn't have to worry about your blood pressure or where you left your compression socks and you were always ready to go? Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in your Craftmatic adjustable bed. Listen up. BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue. BlueChew brings you the first chewable with the same active ingredient as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach after the 4 o'clock early bird special. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever or not opportunity arises. Now this isn't just for guys who can't perform, it's for any guy who wants extra function to enhance their performance in the bedroom. Blue Chew is prescribed online, ask your grandkids, and ships straight to your door in a discreet package so no in-person doctor's visit and no talking to that know-it-all pharmacist. And best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the good old US of A, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code MLB just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com, promo code MLB, to try it free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and again, we thank them for sponsoring Locked on Tigers. So, today's game is Zimmerman, Jordan Zimmerman against Masahiro Tanaka. Tanaka has traditionally been lights out against the Tigers, and my guest uh, Stacy the other night told us that he throws a variety of pitches, but the splitter is his main weapon. And in fact, uh, Detroit's top pick last year, Casey Mize, the first overall pick in the draft, he sometimes gets compared to Tanaka because of his pitch mix and size. And honestly, that would be a pretty fantastic outcome for the Tigers. Tanaka is not an ace in the traditional sense of the word. He's not a Verlander or a Scherzer or anything like that. But he's been a top 20 pitcher since he debuted in 2014. And, and I think that would be a pretty great outcome for Mize. Uh, and the Tigers haven't done much against him. Matuk is 2 for 15 against him. Cabrera is 2 for 12. The only real success in the lineup is Castellanos at 3 for 15 with two homers. So maybe look for that and we'll see if they can turn around their luck a little bit. And Zimmerman against the Yankees. Uh, fortunately, New York is kind of a mash unit right now. They're, they're without Stanton. They're without Andahar. Aaron Hicks is gone. Yeah, most of the lineup has had some success against him in small sample sizes. You know, Zimmerman hasn't been very good for the last couple of years, and that's probably when he faced these guys. So we'll see. We'll see if he can repeat what he did against the Blue Jays. It was impressive. And finally, I got a couple of questions from a listener, Rob. He asked, yes, first of all, he asked, what was the point of signing the two former Pirates infielders? If we are trying to tank while getting young players experience, why not go from within? He also added, those guys suck and won't be trade bait. I tend to agree with that. We'll see. Uh, the simple answer here is the Tigers aren't trying to win. It's kind of a painful truth, and it's tough to cover a team like this that seems indifferent to winning. I, I find myself falling into a bit of a trap where I kind of want them to lose at times because they get nothing out of winning and they're trying to lose, so why not root for what they want? Uh, I hope I can pull myself out of that if and when they become competitive again, and I hope it doesn't taint, taint the younger fans these days because that's, you know, it's not a, a great way to remember the team. But also the, the way the Tigers farm system is set up right now, most of the talent is still a year or two away, and I really think the Tigers just want to bring all these guys up 
around the same time in this big wave and try to give themselves a competitive window for six or seven straight years. Uh, so they're kind of keeping guys down or, and leaving them at the same level. Uh, so this was just kind of a gap year, you know, a placeholder year. So they brought in a veteran shortstop like Jordy Mercer because they basically weren't terribly happy with Jose Iglesias' listening skills last year. And then they brought in Josh Harrison because he was there. He was cheap. It was like two and a half million. And the uh, I think that I don't think they like the option of playing Dabuel Lugo every day and having to listen to people say this is the guy we got for JD Martinez because Lugo is is not all that impressive. And then Rob's second question was was a guy like Castellanos overvalued because of the times? Seems like players like him aren't sought after. A good hitter with decent power and no defensive ability. And I think sort of I think Castellanos is a bit overvalued by the Tigers and a bit undervalued by the rest of baseball. He really is a good hitter and those are kind of hard to find these days. But you're right, the rest of his game leaves something to be desired. Uh, he's a solid base runner, but he doesn't walk a lot and he doesn't hit for crazy power. And his defense last year was rated very poorly. Uh, baseball Savant actually had him as the worst defensive outfielder in baseball last year. And that stuff matters to teams. They really aren't keen on giving up prospects for a player that they'll have for one year or less. We saw that with J.D. Martinez. Uh, and yeah, I don't quite understand it, but teams just don't particularly care for this type of player anymore. C.J. Crone hit 253 with 30 homers last year for the Rays. It was slightly less productive than Castellanos overall, but still a very solid season. It, it was a career year for him, so we'll say that. You know, maybe there's some regression expected. But the Rays just up and cut him. They didn't trade him. They didn't offer him, like, an extension. They just cut him. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he'd be, like, the second or third best hitter on the Tigers this year. The Twins grabbed him. Uh, and that just seems to be the way the market is right now. Nobody wants right-handed hitters. I, I don't know. We'll see what happens. It'll be really interesting to see what becomes of Castellanos this year, if he gets traded, if the Tigers extend him, or if they just let him walk. Uh, yeah, and that's our show for Tuesday, April 2nd, 2019. I hope uh, you guys enjoyed it. And I always remind you to go ahead and download and rate again on all the various podcast networks and tell your smart devices to listen to Locked On Tigers. And uh, yeah, again, I remind you uh, this Thursday, opening day, I'll be doing a live radio show. Come on down to Sinbad's at 100 St. Clair Street in Detroit and uh, yeah, participate, answer some trivia questions. I got some good ones for you, and I think it'll be fun. I guess tomorrow we'll talk about how the Tigers did against Tanaka. Talk to you then.